Okay. Well, I needed that. I needed that. Thank you. I love our worship team each week to enjoy and uh, be taken to the presence of the Lord is a powerful thing. Listen, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. If you don't, you can go to your phone. Uh, if not, look at the screen. We got you covered either way, all right? But I'm excited to be able to share with you uh, a story I think uh, is going to be very practical. It's something that we can apply to our lives uh, for today. But it's, a, it's simply, I've titled today's message, uh, Asking for Big Things. You know, someone said, well, if you're going to ask, might as well ask for something big. Okay? Remember asking? Did you ever ask for big things at Christmas time? You ask for big things? Okay. Yeah, you, you're still asking for big things. Some of y'all are asking for Georgia to go undefeated this year and go play Alabama and beat them in, a, in the SEC championship and win the national championship. Some of y'all are asking for that. That's a big thing, aren't you? Amen. Oh, amen. <laughs> go dogs. Some of y'all, you just don't know. You're asking, you're asking for a change. You're asking for, man, I'm just ready to get out of this job. I'm sick and tired of it. And some of y'all are asking, man, you're asking for big things. You're like, okay, I want to win the mega millions. I want the money. I just give me the money. That's what I want. Some of y'all are asking for that. But hey, listen, whatever you're asking for, might as well go ahead and ask big. We're going to see in this story today that Nehemiah did that. He asked big. But remember, Nehemiah's the background. I got to give you a little bit of last week and what and who Nehemiah is and, and what he was all about. Because Nehemiah is, is just a common lay guy. I mean, he, he's not a pastor, a preacher. He's not a, uh, he ends up being a governor uh, before the end of the story. But he's basically, his job title is cupbearer to the king. Cupbearer to the king, which means he basically gets to taste the best wine of Persia before the king drinks it. Now, you might be thinking, sign me up for that job. I'd like to be the best wine taster uh, for the king. Man, that, hey, that's, that's good. You think that's a good perk, but the bad side of it is, if it's poison, you're, you're done. You're dead, okay? <laughs> Your job is over. And then they'll line up somebody else to be the cupbearer. And so you might think, well, that's a great job, but it came with a lot of responsibility. And so Nehemiah gets news about his hometown. They, he's been in Babylonian exile, and he's in Persia. He's the cupbearer to the king, and he gets news back about Jerusalem, the city he loves, the city where he grew up, the city he longed for. And he finds out that it's, the people are hurting, they're devastated, and he also finds out that the walls are down. They've been burned. They're ruined. And the people are just really going through some tragic times. Kind of sounds like some people in our world today and what they're facing. You know, whether it be Puerto Rico or Barbuda or the places we're ministering to, there's, there's some people and places in the world right now that have been devastated. Well, Nehemiah... He knows all that, and he, he's prayed to God. And then he, at the end of chapter 1, he asked God for something special. He said, okay, I know you've listened to my servant, your servant, and your people. I'm going to make a request today 
that your servant would be successful today and grant me compassion before this man. Now this man he was referring to is, of course, King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. And he's saying, I'm going to be asking for something, but God, please give me favor. Give me compassion. Give me, give me something going in before I ask of this. So let's pick up in this story, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Nehemiah. And it came about in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine, and I drank, and I gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. Why is that important? It's important that the servants never showed their emotions. The servants were supposed to be cheerful before the king. If the king said, that's okay, all right? Because if the king said, everybody's supposed to be sad. But not the servant. The servant is not supposed to be doing that. So that's important. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then, <laughs> then I was very much afraid. And now you know why he was, because you were not supposed to show that emotion before the king. The king realized this isn't nothing but sadness of heart. And so let's continue. So I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? And then the king said to me, what would you request? Wow. Now that's one of those moments that you've just, in your notes, in your Bible, you write, wow. What would you request? Wow. If, if you, man, isn't that a, just think about that. You're talking about here is the ruler of the world at this point. King Artaxerxes, king of Persia, the Persian Empire by this time were the world rulers. Nebuchadnezzar in his time over Babylon, Babylon were the world leaders, world leaders back in, in the days of Daniel. But now we're in a time period where the Median Persian Empire had come into ruling. And so King Artaxerxes is asking him, what would you request? Wow. So here, here it comes, y'all. This is good stuff. So you would, you would think, what is he going to do next? So here, here's the answer. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Underline that. So I prayed to the God of heaven. So if you, if you had a world leader, the world leader, say, okay, what is it you want? What do you request? What do you request, Charles? What do you want? Yeah. What do you want? Well, the first thing, I would have said, all right, bam, 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 bam. But no. What does Nehemiah do? He prays to the God of heaven. I think that's a, that's a life lesson right there for us, sitting at church? Isn't that a life lesson? That's a practical lesson for every one of us that we could apply to our lives right there. 
So let's see what he, he prayed and he asked for. He said, I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I might rebuild it. And then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, well, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they might allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And, verse 8, a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress which is by the temple, for the wall of the city and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. That's another line, to, that's another phrase to underscore in your, in your text. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. And now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. In verse 10, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officials heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. All right, so that's the text. What are some of the practical truths that we can get out of this passage today? Well, the first one that jumps out at me that I've got for you today is that when your heart is broken, others will notice. And this was the case with Nehemiah. His heart was broken over his beloved land, his, his home, to where he wept. The Bible said, told us in chapter 1 that what did he do? He mourned, he wept for days, and then he began to pray and he began to fast. And the king even noticed. And he wasn't supposed to display these emotions. But have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, what's going on with you? You just don't seem right. Have you ever had someone do that? Have you ever had someone notice that Hey, what's happening in your life? Because you're usually a cheerful, bubbly person, but there appears to be something bothering you. That's what Artaxerxes, he saw in Nehemiah that day. He saw it in him. And you know, when, you're, when your heart is broken, it's a matter of, I guess, it, it, it's a sadness of heart issue to where it eventually it shows up on his face and so the king he sees it and then Nehemiah goes to explain it and he said well why shouldn't I be sad because look at what has happened to the place I love with all of my heart and his heart was broken over it so that's the first thing I noticed out of this passage when your heart is broken others will notice the second thing I wrote down was go to God first before you ask others for big things okay go to God first before you ask others for big things you know we're getting ready to we've got land we thank God that we have land we have 14 and a half acres on 3200 Perry Smith Road that is bought and paid for by the grace of God hallelujah man I'm just rejoicing for that all right that gets me excited every time I think about it. 
All right, we have all of that. But guess what? We have the land, but we've got to put a building on it to build a church. I know we are the church. I know the people are the church. I know that a building will come. So before that building comes, we've got to ask God some important things. We've got to ask him. And, and so we're going to see some things out of this text today that are going to help us in this process of, of what do you do before you ask for the big things. And I believe we can learn some lessons from Nehemiah. Here's the first lesson that this text is speaking to me about is this. Nehemiah asked for permission. Nehemiah asked for permission. Notice in verse 5, what did he say? He says, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. So his first thing he asked for was permission to go. The king didn't have to, I mean, he's a servant, y'all. Yeah, he's in a high place, but he's a servant. So he, Nehemiah is asking King Artaxerxes for permission to go back to Jerusalem so that he might rebuild it. Now, you probably have heard this expression before. It's easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. Anybody ever heard that one before? Now, how many of y'all have done something without permission before? You better raise your hand. If you're not, you're going to have to confess of lying in the church this morning. Man, oh man, you know you have. You know you're raising both hands, yes. That's honest right there, raising both. I remember one time as a young boy, my granny told me, go get in your pa's truck, I mean car, not truck, car, get in pa's car and go down to the town and, and get me some, some supplies to bake these cakes. I said, okay, granny, I'll do it. So I thought I had permission from granny, okay, but it wasn't granny's car, it was pa's car. And pa had one of those cars that it was an old-timey car. I don't even know the making of it, but uh, all I know, it was long and made of metal, and it was one of those that didn't have, you know, drive, rear, neutral, drive. It, it was just one of them you had to guess where the gears were, you know, and shift that sucker around. It had the clutch, and so I'd never driven it before. So you can only imagine I'm in the driveway, and so I'm like, okay, I can drive this thing. So I get in it, I push that clutch in, I crank it up, and then, of course, poof, poof, it stalls. And I'd have never driven anything with the clutch other than a motorcycle. All right? So I'm in that thing, and I'm shifting for the gears, and I guess what? I finally find reverse, <laughs> and so I start backing out. And I go to backing out, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and, and I look back in that mirror, and there's... There's a pecan tree, big old pecan tree right in the way. And I'm trying to turn, and I'm trying, I'm hitting the brake, which I thought was the brake, but guess what? It wasn't. It was the clutch. And so here I go, and bam! Back of Pa's car is now caved in at the bumper where I hit that pecan tree. Well, 
my mom, this was my mom's parents. My mom, when Pa died, they didn't even know that it was me that backed into that tree on Pa's car. You know why? Because my granny told my Pa, you are never going to tell anybody what that boy did. You not. And she, she took him up one side and down the other, and he's like, he shouldn't have got my car. He, she didn't get permission. He, didn't, he shouldn't have been in that thing. But my granny was granny, all right? You might have had one of them kind of grannies too, but she was one of them uh, that ruled the roost, to put it mildly. But she, she loved me, but she, she never, she, the whole family never did know. They thought Pa was getting uh, old and feeble and he shouldn't be driving the car anymore. And all along it was his grandson that had gotten in there that shouldn't have done it, but I did it because my granny told me but I didn't have Pa's permission. Wow. Have you ever done, uh, well, you already admitted you've done it. Did you learn from it? Okay, Nehemiah got permission, and he got it from the only one who could grant it at that time. He got it from the right source. That's important. There might be other people that tell you, okay, yeah, it's, so, it's fine to go do that. Yeah, it'll be okay for you to go over there and hunt on that boy's land. He won't mind. Well, is he the owner? Is he the owner? No, no, I'm a neighbor. He's fine. He don't, he don't care. He lets me hunt. You can go over there. You can hunt. Until you go over there and hunt, and that landowner comes out there and catches you and says, what are you doing on my property? Oh, oh so-and-so told me, up, oh, up. Oh, who gave you permission? I see some of y'all smiling. You hadn't gone trespassing hunting before, have you, in this room? No, we would never do that. Heck, no, no. You wouldn't ever shine one of them lights at night, would you? No, no. Okay. You, it's easier to get what? Forgiveness than it is permission. Well, Nehemiah got permission. And so... That was the first big thing he asked for. Here's the second one. Nehemiah asked for protection. He asked for protection. It's found, it's found in verse 7. He said, I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. So he asked for protection. Now, why is this important? Persia at that time, where he was located, is known as modern-day Iran. So when you get out your map and you look at where Iran is, and then you look over here and you see Israel and you see Judah, you see Jerusalem, you go, whoo. And then, you know, that's quite some distance. And he mentions a river, so they were crossing some great river, possibly Euphrates River in that region, but modern-day Iran going all the way over here to little old Jerusalem was about a thousand-mile journey, and, and they were going to be going through some very uh, dangerous places, and they're going to be going through some other countries and regions at that point of where there were other little kings, but here's Artaxerxes. He's the ruler of the world. So Nehemiah is asking for something big here. He's asking for 
protection. So, Lord, before we build anything out here on 3200 Pierce Smith Road, we ask for permission. And the next thing we're going to ask for is protection. We're going to ask for protection. Now, I'm going to give you some insight here as well. Here's the cool thing. Nehemiah uh, was given that protection. He was given that letter. And, and check this out. Look on down in verse 9. It says that the king had also sent with him officers of the army and horsemen. Isn't that interesting? Not only did the king give him the letters which said it's okay for Nehemiah to pass through, he also sent his, some of his officers and some of his horsemen, which means, hey, you're under my protection as you travel back to your land. That was huge, y'all. You know why? Who's going to mess with them? Who's going to mess with him when he's coming through there? If you, in other words, if you had messed with Nehemiah with these officers and horsemen there, and you try to take them out, guess what's coming down on you? You might have taken them out, but the Persian Empire would be on you and would destroy you if you did it. So that's protection. Now, that's, that's King Artaxerxes. Now, let's apply this spiritually to our God. Who is more powerful than our God? Who is greater than our God? And when we ask our God for permission, and when we ask our God for protection, Guess what's going to come? The hand of the Lord. Now, I've, I've read stories. Some of you may have read them before. There was a, there was a village one time. Uh, there were some Christians that were in, in a country to where it was hostile to Christians. And these villagers were getting ready to go and kill these Christians. But I read this in a prayer journal one time, uh, and it was actually true. These natives were on their way to kill these Christian missionaries that were there. And they were going to enter the camp, but they stopped. Because they saw 24 warriors surrounding them with, with swords drawn and ready for battle. Like they were looking for them to come. And here's the catch of that. Back in the States, in a prayer meeting, there were 24 people on their knees in prayer for those missionaries that were there in that country. Do you think that happened by chance? That's God's protection, y'all. In other words, we were going, and then later on, they talked with them and they said, we were planning to come kill you. And they said, well, we, we couldn't do it. There was 24 guys ready to go to battle. We were afraid of them. And they said, who are you talking about? God had placed his protection around. That's a spiritual thing, y'all. That, that that's in chill bump moments, you know. When you hear about something and you know about, 
What if you had been those, some of those missionaries that had been prayed over like that? You would be going, thank you, Lord, for your divine protection. Nehemiah asked for it. And Artaxerxes gave it because he cared for his servant. And so he was able to travel safely through that region of the world. And then finally, what can we learn from the latter part? Nehemiah went ahead and he asked for it. He, he asked for something big. He asked for provision. He's asked for permission. He's asked for protection. And then he finally comes to the big, one of the other big ones, and asked, he asked for provision. Where do we get that? Verse 8. He said, O king, would you please send a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may, may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house in which, to which I will go. So this is another big ask here. He's asking for something big, and he, he's asking the Persian ruler of the world, the king, for provision to build, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to rebuild, and even to build his own house. And guess what? The king granted him. The king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Wow. Are there some life lessons that you and I can learn from this story today? Absolutely. Absolutely. What is it that God is saying to you today? Yes, there's some big things that we're going to face. And before I go and ask some people for permission, protection, or provision, particularly on the provision part, there's some people I'm going to go ask, or would you be willing to help us over here? Would you be willing to help us build this church to be a part of it? Some of you have people that you need to go and ask, but before you go and ask them, seek God first. Ask God for permission. Can I go to this individual? Ask God for protection as you go, <laughs> and then ask God for provision. And then trust God in the whole process. Because whose church is it? Whose church is it? It's his church. It's his church. And where God leads, God provides. And isn't it amazing when you think about it that God uses a world ruler of a Persian empire with some of probably the most precious timber in all of the world. He uses it from a godless society to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and God might use some resources from somebody that you know that have never darkened the doors of a church and don't have any desire to do that, but they might end up doing it because God has given us favor, as Nehemiah said. Wow. Okay. Well, there is one little note to, to end this text 
there were some people watching. Sandballot, what a name. Who names their kid Sandballot? Man, Sandballot. Come here, Sandballot. I'd just call him Sand, or, or you wouldn't want to call him Ballot. Sandballot, get yourself over here. Come to the table, Sandballot. Get out of that mess, Sandballot. And then there's Tobiah. They heard about it. And they didn't like it. So guess what? Persecution will come. We ask for permission. We ask for protection. We ask for provision. But if we do, expect this church, persecution is going to come. Those, the Bible says this, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So get over it. Don't be surprised when it happens. If you desire to live godly in Christ, you will be persecuted. So count it joy when you fall into it, knowing that it is God who is working it out through us. Okay? So I want you to bow your head where you are and pray with me on some of the life lessons that we could learn from Nehemiah today.